0: just stand Come, ye sin.
1: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and, and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great a great priest over the house of god let us draw near let us draw near to god with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with with pure water let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's a story that I want to share with you briefly. Not the entirety of it, but a portion of it. The disciples have, through the grace of God, been able to heal a man as they were going into the temple. Now, this was after Ananias and Sapphira had died. They put the apostles in jail. They were forbidden to speak in the name of the Lord. I want to read to you what they said. Mark it well. Acts, the fifth chapter. I'm going to begin reading in verse 27. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as Prince and Savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Then, the scholar Gamaliel speaks to them, advises them not to touch these men. His speech persuaded them not to kill them. So in verse 40, the Sanhedrin called the apostles in and had them flogged. 39 blows, minus one. So it wasn't 40, it was 39. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. We're in trouble. We need a new kind of church. I'm stunned by how the church has rolled over. When government authorities said, close your churches, that was a year ago. Almost everyone complied. churches have been closed. Shuttered. What would have happened had the churches said, no, we obey God rather than man. We're not closing. Well, they might have been fined. They might have been jailed. They wouldn't have been beaten. the American church rolled over like compliant puppies and closed their churches. It's obvious that the American church does not first serve Jesus. They first serve mammon and government officials. That's a problem. Remember If you're a regular listener to this broadcast, I was praying, Lord, every Friday I was praying, Lord, would you give the church a backbone? Would you give the church a backbone that we could stand? That we would not just roll over for wickedness. I'm stunned by how easy it was for the church. Should just close itself down with no persecution. Just close down. And what is the result? Many people have not been in church for a year. Oh, they've gone to Zoom or they've gone to some kind of internet deal. That's not church. That's not assembling together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves, one with another. That's a command to meet. The church has disobeyed that command in America. Now, the church has been very precious in my life. It's been the center part of my entire life. I don't know how many days I was old, but I was not a week old when my mother placed me in a little bassinet and carried me to church i've been there ever since i was raised in the church the church has been my my refuge but the american church is dead it's been vomited out of its building And it went right along with Caesar and said, Yes, we're done. We'll close. Please, sir, tell us when we can meet again. What? Did you ask Jesus? Did you ask Jesus if he had changed his mind about who we serve? Well, all I can say is, Jesus is going to have to create a new church. A church with backbone. A church that walks in integrity. Because the church is dead. It reminds me of a movie that I heard about a long time ago. About these two men who took a dead man along with them everywhere they went. Well, We've been hauling around this dead church for a lot of years. And I have to make an honest confession at the beginning of this. We're going to look at a new church today. And this week we'll be looking at what it means to be a new church. From the scriptures. From the New Testament. From the book of Acts. When I started at the Lord's leading with Pastor David Wilkerson's help. When I started the National Prayer Chapel, it was with every intention that this would be a new kind of church, that we would not walk in the old ways. I was a total failure in that. We went to the same old, same old. We went to a place where people came and gathered once a week. Listen to me preach, had some activities together, and, and that was church. That's the old church. In America, the church is a culture. It's God talk. They have their rituals. It is also an institution. And an institution has as its first and primary goal self-preservation. And so the church as an institution decided they need to obey the larger institution of the government. And that's always been the case with the church. They've had to make those very tough calls. The early church would not bend to Rome. They refused to to incorporate, they would not be 501c3s, equivalent for that day. They were harassed, they were killed, they were punished. It was very serious. And this conflict with the church and the government has been going on for many years, 2,000, from the time of Jesus. Jesus went before Pilate. He would not argue with Pilate. They crucified him. And the church through the years has tried to develop ways of dealing with and getting along with governments. China, the church is having a horrible time with the government. The government of China hates the church and hates christians so they've been forced to to leave their buildings often having them demolished by the communist government and they meet in homes or in business places well What I'm saying is we have a very long history, a 2,000-year history of conflict with the government. I don't advocate conflict of any kind. I don't advocate violence of any kind. But I do stand firmly that the church must be principled based on the teachings of Scripture and not on the cultural or social norms of the day. And the National Prayer Chapel became a failure because it wanted to be a a normal american church and i didn't know how to deal with that i do today that's why i'm saying there has to be a new kind of church And what should that church look like? How should it function? The American church has become a body. It's always been a body. The body of Jesus Christ. He's the head of it. But when you make a business out of a church, when you make a business out of a body, in America we call that prostitution. And the American church has prostituted itself to the government, often getting large amounts of government money for their social NGO programs. The church as a culture, as an institution, as a business, does not exist in Scripture. It is a body. And if we prostitute that body, the Holy Spirit will be grieved, will leave us as he has left the American church. Now, as one of our live chat people points out, the church was long dead before COVID-19. We were just waiting for dirt to be thrown on our heads. The church has been dead for many years in America. So I think we need to go back and ask the question what would a new church look like? Well, we know how the new church must start. I'm going to read for you considerable amount of scripture today and I ask that you would if you could grab a Bible I'm going to read from the NIV and just follow along I'm going to read it and then I'm going to come back and make some comments about it and then tomorrow we're going to push further into what would a new church look like we'll begin in Acts and by the way Acts is not, is not named properly. It's not Acts of the Apostles. It should be called Acts of the Holy Spirit. We'll begin in chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he said this, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and when two men, dressed in white, stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who's been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they'd been staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew. Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and he said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number, shared in our ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all of his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, Let there be no one to dwell in it. May another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph, called Barabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. And so he was added to the eleven apostles. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, as this Spirit enabled him. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and and Arabs, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine to drink. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Now let's stop there. We'll pick it up later. But I want to make several comments about what we've just read. It's clear Jesus is saying, don't leave Jerusalem, stay right here. Now they're Galileans, how are they going to pay for that? They couldn't go fishing, their fishing boats and supplies were all up on the Lake of Galilee. So they're in Jerusalem, expensive place. I've been to that room where they think the upper room was. It's not that large. It could hold 120. But it also was a place where they were sleeping on the floor. And, and Jesus told them, in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait for that. Now, if there's anything difficult to do, it's to wait. I was crying out to the Lord this morning. Lord, you want to start a new church. I know that. The American church is dead, dirt's been thrown on it. You're going to begin dismantling now all of the structures of the American church. You're even going to tear apart some of the buildings. But it's going to be the practices you're going to destroy. Move, take to another place. Not demolish, but dismantle. And frankly, dismantling is a painful process when it's your life. And pastors are going to lose their jobs, hirelings are going to lose their jobs, people who are there for the career. I'm not a career pastor, even though I've been a pastor for over 50 years. I'm not a career pastor. I'm a called pastor. There's a big difference between a career pastor and a called pastor. Now, Jesus ascends into heaven, and they return to the upper room. About 120. Now, how does this new church begin? Well, it begins with a prayer meeting. They come together and they pray. That's what they do. They tarry. They wait upon the Lord. The New Testament church starts with a prayer meeting. Now, I've been in church long enough to know that usually when you invite the church to a prayer meeting, most people will not come. That's going to dramatically change. We are going to see men and women all over America, gathering to pray. Now, often, when the church has come together, the old church has come together to pray, and I struggled with this constantly at the National Prayer Chapel, we would stand in a large circle. Only one or two people would cry out, sometimes with tears. Most, would pray about Aunt Sally's toe or they'd pray some casual thing with no real expression. And I would say to the Lord, Lord, how can we be a national prayer chapel and we don't know how to pray? And I'll be very honest with you, the National Prayer Chapel has never learned how to pray. We're going to. Beginning last Sunday, and this coming Sunday, it'll go much deeper. We're going to learn how to pray. We're going to learn how to pray with intercession and tears. We're going to learn how to pray for one another. We're going to learn how to pray for America. And we're not going to move on until we've learned. I'm not going to preach at the prayer chapel again. Until we know how to pray. That's the first step of this new church. This new church that God is going to raise up in America is going to be a church that prays. That knows how to intercede with tears. That knows how to lift their hearts before Almighty God and cry aloud and not turn away until they have prayed through. It says in verse 14, Acts 1, 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They prayed. They cried aloud. Not casual little prayers about, bless me, bless me. Confessions. Confessions of of wrongdoing or confessions of anything that was out of line with the Holy Spirit. Getting their hearts right. We're told in the New Testament to ask, seek, and knock. That's in Luke 11. That's the passage we'll stand on. I can ask, oh, by the way, could you pass the beans? Or could you pass the salt? Oh, sure, no problem. That's asking. Seeking is when I get up from the table and I go looking in the refrigerator because I need the ketchup. Knocking. That's where it gets serious. I'm shut out. I recognize that I'm shut out. And I'm not going to gain entry if I don't knock on the door. If I don't cry aloud and say, Oh, come, answer, open the door for me. Polite little prayers ask. They'll even seek. Lord, we, we seek your face. Lord, we're hungry for you today. Would you come and be among us? Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit today to your church? We gather in the name of Jesus. And you said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Lord, would you come and be among us today? Would you bless us with your presence? Huh. But knocking... Knocking recognizes that we're shut out from the presence of God because of our our life, our sin, our lukewarmness, our casualness, making the old church a business. How horrendous. We have shamed the name of Jesus, and the whole world scorns the American church today because it's spineless. It's fatalistic. It will not stand up and say, we are men and women of courage. And if you want to beat us, beat on us. If you want to take our possessions, take everything we own. We will not submit. We will gather because we are Christians. And they will know. They will know us by our love. Self-sacrificing one for another, not social distancing one from another. What utter foolishness. Not wearing diapers on our face, but come together as the body of Christ. Doesn't our God heal? Doesn't He restore? I have to tell you today, I am so ashamed of the American church. I've been in it all my life. I have the right to say it. I've paid the price. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. And there must be a new church, and the new church must start at the beginning. And the beginning is tearing and waiting on the Holy Spirit. It is meeting in prayer meeting constantly. It's where I can call a brother and a sister and say, hey, can you come by tonight? We need to pray together. You know what the the American... The old church says, oh, no, 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 we can't come out tonight and pray. It's a little bit cold outside. We can't come and have dinner with you tonight because, well, we've got our things to do. What are you talking about? What a shame. I grew up in the old church when it was still had a little bit of life in it. And we met every Wednesday night for prayer meeting, and we prayed. We met every Friday night for youth meeting. We met all day on the weekend. We had dinner together. We were in church all day. Why? Because we loved one another, and because we were sold out to one another, and because we were the body of Christ. But even then, 50, 60, Seventy years ago, dry rot was already in it. We were very orthodox, but we were already spiritually dying. Today it's over. I invite people to come and pray with us. I invite people to come on a Thursday night to eat with us. And people say, oh, it's faster. Pastor, pastor, it's inconvenient. We're tired. What? Where's your courage? When will you stand up for Jesus and say, I'm willing to die for him? People say, oh, I'd die for Jesus, but I won't show up for a meeting. And if I do come, I'm going to be late. How horrendous. So, please, may I be very blunt with you? Many of you here in Washington, D.C., have not been going to church for a year. What are you going to do? You're going to die with the old church? You're going to die with the old system? Are you going to make Jesus dismantle your life? Or is there a spark yet remaining in your life? that says I must have Jesus no matter what it costs me. I want to gather with other Christians. I want to pray. I was in a prayer meeting at Times Square Church. I was sitting on the platform with Pastor David Wilkerson who was my father in the faith. And he would stand at the mic Several thousand in attendance and he would he would tap on the mic and get their attention and he would give them the next item they needed to pray about as a corporate church for New York City. It was powerful. Waves of the Holy Spirit flowed over that church. Stunning to watch. I'd never seen anything like it. I stood there and wept. He brought my wife and I forward. He laid hands upon us in front of the congregation and prayed a blessing for us for the National Prayer Chapel. You know what? It's time to pray. It's time for the new church to begin to gather in homes if necessary, in buildings if the pastor has the courage to go against the denominational authorities and meet in their building. It's time for the church to gather and to pray. And if you don't believe there's healing power in the body of Christ, if you don't believe that there's healing in church and you're afraid, then stay away. Go to the Elks Club or go to Walmart or Costco, where's your church? Go out to eat somewhere. Go to a strip club. They're all open. Go to a bar. They're all open. Just don't go to church because you might get in trouble. I don't mean to be sarcastic. I'm just so disgusted with what I've seen And what's happening? It's time to go to prayer meeting. Time to turn the television off. Time to turn the internet off. Time to put your cell phones down. Don't bring them to church. Don't bring them to the ecclesia, the body of Christ. It's not a building. It's a people. It's a body. Not a business, not a culture, not an institution. Put your put your business practices away. Lay aside your church growth strategies and all your planning processes. I have a new idea. Hold a prayer meeting. Oh, this is where the new church is going to start. It's going to start in prayer meetings. It's going to start as we come and open our hearts to the Lord. And we, yes, we ask politely. And then we seek politely. And then we go for it all the way. And we begin to pound on the door of heaven and say, we have sinned against you and you have had to dismantle the church. And we've come, Lord, to start a new church. And don't come to that new church with all of your prejudice, racial prejudice, economic, press, uh, uh, economic concerns of how this will affect your income, your prejudice. Lay it all aside. Don't come with expectations and demands. Don't come with theology and demand that we somehow align with your theology. Come with a heart to cry aloud, to pound on heaven's door and say, Jesus, if you don't open a new church, we're going to perish. We need a new church. Can you hear me? If you're on live chat on YouTube, jump in and let me hear from you. Let me hear, you ready to pray? You ready to call for a prayer meeting in your home and invite everybody you know to come and pray? That's where the new church is going to start. It's going to start in the prayer meeting. And if the pastors are too cowardly to call for a prayer meeting, for a solemn assembly, then you call for it in your home. You understand there's no separation in the New Testament between laity and clergy. That's a false dichotomy. There are pastors, there are gifts of the Spirit, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and therefore the strengthening of the body of Christ for the body of Christ to do the work of the gospel. We've gotten it all put upside down. So, you ready to call for a prayer meeting in your home? Are you ready? Will you do it? Well, pastor, nobody will come. Will you and, and your wife pray? You gather your children and pray. And then let it be known everywhere, this is the night we pray. Not for five minutes. This is the night where we pray. Invite everybody. Let them know. A new church is starting. We're praying. We're, we're a prayer meeting. You know what the worldly church would have you do? They'd have you uh, design some kind of survey and go out through the neighborhood and ask everybody, what kind of church would you like? Well, it can't have a cross. Okay, we'll take the cross out. You can't ask for money. Okay, we'll forget the offering. What else? Well, we'd like some hip-hop music. Okay, we'll bring the hip-hop music in. That's what the church has done in America. No, the church doesn't function that way. The church functions at the word of God. The church functions first and foremost as a prayer meeting. You can't skip this part because this is where this is where Pentecost comes. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in power in fire and wind This is where wickedness gets blown away. This is where people will begin to scoff and scorn and say, oh, you're just a bunch of drunk people. Look at how you are. Oh, praise God. We lay our lives down for Jesus. We don't care what the cost is. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. I'm not going to compromise. And I'm not going to make the National Prayer Chapel a comfortable place anymore, ever again. We are going to walk in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. Not pretend, but real. And we will pray until that happens. So, do you want to pray? Sunday morning, 10 till 12. And as long after that as the Holy Spirit wants us to pray. Thursday night. We're going to look at the scriptures and we're going to pray. You all are invited. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com and there you'll find my address. Now I can guarantee you we're not going to be flooded with people because people don't want to pray. Not the way I'm talking about it. you understand? Now, if your heart is touched by today and you'd like to be a part of what's happening, one way you can be a part is help me to cover the cost for this broadcast so I can continue into next month. We've come to the end of the month and we're still far short, but I thank thank Mike and Dirk, Gloria, and others of you who've been sacrificially giving My brother, my sister, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. You can write to me, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two one nine five. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Click on the upper right hand corner. My brother and sister, we're out of time. We'll continue this discussion tomorrow. And I ask you, would you pray for me and will you pray for this new church? God bless you. I love you. I want to meet you. I pray soon we could meet one another and pray together. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.